like for you, if you would please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, we're going to be reading verses 12 through 20. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. It says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised him from the dead, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And then in verse 20, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, once again, we come to you asking, Lord, your blessing. I pray, God, for your anointing this morning. I pray that I might be able to share the message that you've given to me. And Lord, that uh, you would open the ears of our hearts as well as the ears of our minds, that we might grasp the meaning of what Paul was trying to say in this passage. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, I was talking to a young man who was uh, going through a really tough time, and he was thinking about leaving the church and turning his back on Christianity. He was just wanting to give up, and I was trying to encourage him and help him to hang in there and, and to be patient, wait on the Lord. And he said, I've been a Christian all my life, Pastor, and I just don't understand. It seems like nothing is going right with me today. And I told him, I know that and I understand that. And I see God blessing uh, you in ways that you don't even understand yet. And he says, but I don't see it. He says, I've got nothing to hold on to. And I told him to please be faithful. I said, listen, you have to understand that we're not just faithful to God when he's giving us everything that we want. We're not just faithful to God when it seems like he's meeting every one of our needs. We need to be faithful. We need to glorify God because he's God. And even if he didn't give us anything, 
He is still worthy of our praise and our devotion. When I shared that with him, I saw a light come on in his face and, and he began to say, I think I'm beginning to get the idea. He said, he said, this is the truth, he really did say this. He says it's kind of like marriage, isn't it? When I see a woman that's hot and rich, I don't need to marry her just because she's hot and rich. I kind of shook my head and I said, well, yeah, it's kind of like that. But folks, listen to me. I want, you to, I want to make something clear. I want you to understand something. Even though it is true that God blesses us and He gives us and meets every need that we might have, we don't love God just because of that. We need to have our first priority be that we want to glorify God just because of who he is. Amen? But it's also true that God promises us that he will bless us and meet our every need. And uh, God is worthy of our praise even if he does nothing for us. And uh, even though he promises that he will meet every need, that we need to delight ourselves in him. And he will give us the desires of our, of, my, of our hearts. And as I was searching for a word this morning to share with you, I, I, I thought of this text of uh, scripture that I shared a while ago. And I was drawn to that passage because we've gone through so much this past year. I'm so glad to see all of you here today. And boy, it seems like we're back where we used to be before the pandemic and it's so great to see all of you here but we've gone through so much and we have, there are so many needs and so many desires that have been gone uh, have gone unmet I want to share with you this morning that I think in this passage of scripture even though we all have great needs we all have desires we all have things that we need God to do for us in this passage of scripture Paul has taken six of what I think I mean at least to me are our greatest needs and he says that God answers every one of them in the resurrection of Jesus Christ so as we gather together as we celebrate this morning and by the way I've said this before but let me say it again we don't celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ just on Easter every day is resurrection day every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we've gathered here together but Paul says in this passage of scripture that he answers six of our greatest needs through the resurrection. Now, I'm trying to reconcile these two principles of, of faith that we are to glorify God not just for what he does for us, but simply because he's God. And number two, that God 
is a God who promises us to give us all the things that we desire, all the desires of our heart. And I'm trying to marry the two of those together. And I want to do it by this statement. And please try to uh, pause for a moment and understand what I'm saying here. God is best glorified in me when I am satisfied in Him. Can I say that again? God, I glorify God the greatest when I allow Him, when I am satisfied with Him. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm trying to say? The greatest news in the world to me is that my trusting God to satisfy my needs is the source of my ability to glorify God. I say all of that this morning because I see in this text, as I've already said, that uh, Paul is proclaiming that six of the greatest needs and longings that we have deep in our hearts are, is, are satisfied in the resurrection, and that goes that gives all the glory to God and not any of it to me. My prayer this morning is that we will recognize these six desires, these six longings, these six needs that uh, are in the heart of every human being, I believe, and that we might see that the risen and living Christ is the answer to each and every one of them and that we would be satisfied in Him and us being satisfied in Him he would be glorified in us. Paul, in this passage, speaks of six things that would be an absolute shambles if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And uh, they are, but let, let me go to verse 20 because I want to preface it by this verse. But now Christ is risen from the dead. There's six things that would be in total shambles if he didn't rise from the dead. But the Apostle Paul makes it clear that in fact he did. In verse 14, if Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty. But because he is risen, it is not empty. If Christ is not risen, also in 14, our faith is also empty. But because he is risen, our faith is not empty. In verse 15, if Christ is not risen, we are false witnesses. But because he is risen, we are not false witnesses. If Christ is not risen, our faith is futile, and we're still in our sins, in verse 17. But Christ is risen, so we're not still in our sins. If Christ is not risen in verse 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But Christ is risen so that we they are not perished. In verse 19, if Christ is not risen, we are of all men the most pitiable. But because he is risen, we are not pitiable. Now, I was 
entering each one of those needs by a negative statement. We are, our preaching is not empty. Our faith is not empty. We, we are not false witnesses. I want to try uh, this morning to turn those around and make positive statements instead of using negative statements to uh, uh, glorify God in his resurrection. I want to uh, make positive statements. So let's see if I can do that. I'm going to switch the order around just a little bit because uh, of our own experience and how these things meet us where we live day by day. The first thing I want to say in our first point is that we are forgiven. In verse 17, instead of saying negatively that we are not still in our sins, we can say positively that we have been forgiven our sins. I put that first because that is the basis of everything that God wants to do for you and for me. The Bible teaches that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. That means God's judgment, we are, we are open to the judgment of God, each and every one of us. And if he doesn't forgive our sins, then we can't imagine that God would give us anything else, the foundation of every blessing that we have in God is the fact that he won't hold our sins against us in Christ Jesus. And we know that through the resurrection. Now, what, what, how is forgiveness connected to the resurrection? Well, it was the death of Jesus on Calvary's cross that paid the penalty of our sin. Remember, Jesus was sinless. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus never sinned. So when he died on Calvary's cross, he was paying the penalty of your sin and my sin. And in the book of Romans, chapter 4, and verse 25, the Apostle Paul says, speaking of Jesus, said, Jesus, who was delivered up because of our offenses, was raised because of our justification. And what he meant by that, Jesus who was delivered up because of our offenses, Jesus died on Calvary's cross because of your sin and my sin. He was paying for the penalty of our sins. God raised him from the dead. There was a resurrection because of our justification. His death paid for the sin. His resurrection proved to the world validated the fact that he paid for our sins and we are forgiven in Christ Jesus. That means his death paid for the penalty of our sin and God raised him from the dead so that we might be able to share with the world that Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. Everybody, listen to me, everybody in this room this morning needs forgiveness. Amen? Everybody here, and deep down inside, I believe, I really believe this, deep down inside, even when we don't think about it, we long for that forgiveness. We long, there is a longing in our heart to be accepted by God. We long to be rid of the guilt and the fear 
that comes along know it comes along with knowing that we have sin in our lives. Paul is saying because Christ rose from the dead, we can know. We can drive a stake in the ground. We can know for sure that God has forgiven our sins. Folks, listen to me this morning. Because of the resurrection, we can know, and we can know without a shadow of a doubt that we're forgiven. Amen? I mean, that ought to bring joy to your heart. That ought to bring some kind of satisfaction to your soul to know that we have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. The resurrection provides that. Not only is it, though, that it proves that uh, we are forgiven, but it also teaches us it fulfills that need of knowing that our faith is well-founded. In verse 14, instead of saying negatively that our faith is not empty, we can say because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. Because of the resurrection, there's someone, listen, because of the resurrection, there's someone that you can absolutely trust with your life. Again, I believe deep down in every one of us, there is a longing for someone that we know that we can count on through thick and thin. Amen? I mean, isn't that true? We all desire to have that someone that we can count on in every circumstance, in every situation, someone that we can absolutely trust. And folks, let me tell you something. We do have someone, and his name is Jesus Christ. And because of the resurrection, we find, we know that Jesus kept his promise. He said, "He said you can kill me, but in three days I'm going to be raised from the dead. And, and he did exactly what he said. We look, <clears throat> we look for someone that we can trust, and we have him in Jesus Christ. Now, the apostles, they needed that, and uh, we need it just as much. We long, for, we long for that trust in someone because that's the way that God made us. Listen, you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the Garden of Eden, and they glorified God by the fact that they totally depended on him for everything. They were totally dependent upon God for every single thing. And, and we can trust him because of that. And that, 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 that trust that they had back then hasn't changed at all. We can glorify God when we understand that all of our needs are going to be met through him. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is that guy. Now, the third thing that the resurrection proves is that the apostles preached the truth. If you look in verse 15, instead of saying that we are not false witnesses, we can change that to a positive because of the resurrection. 
we can say that the apostles preached truth. Let me tell you, there are a lot of people in our world today that are going around and saying that there aren't any absolute truths, that there are no absolutes. A lot of kids in schools today, teachers are sharing with them, not all teachers, thank God for godly men and women who teach the truth, but in a lot of places they're teaching that uh, there are no absolutes. There are no absolute truths. Uh, I'm not saying that it's never ha- that it never happens, but I believe it would be rare for a teenager today to stand up in a health class or an adult in a business meeting and say that uh, premarital sex is wrong for anybody, and it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's still wrong. And uh, they don't want to do it, they don't want to hear that. Or, or there'd be very few people who would stand up in a health class or, or in a business meeting and say that homosexuality uh, is wrong for anybody. It doesn't matter whether you believe, not just for those who believe it's wrong, but it's wrong for everybody. You see, this is what happens. It may be wrong. People say that it may be wrong for you, but you don't have the right to determine if it's wrong for me. That's a decision that I get to make for myself. You can't determine what is right or wrong in my life. And you know what? That's actually a true statement. I can't determine what's right or wrong in your life. But there's someone who can. God can determine what is right and what is wrong. And he has shared with us what is right and what is wrong. And we need to stand up. But not not many people feel comfortable in doing that today because the world has declared that there are no absolute truths. Folks, listen to me. Without conviction that there are absolutes, the only end that we have in this world will be total anarchy where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. In other words, they buy the lie that Satan has given that uh, we can decide for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. But therefore, therefore, the need for truth runs deep in the human soul. And Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And the resurrection proves that Jesus is true. It validates the fact that Jesus is the one that makes the decisions. Now, the fourth thing, and I'm really going to do two. I said there were six needs that the resurrection answers. Uh, I've only got five points to my sermon, but in point four, which we're in right now, I'm going to deal with two of those needs. And uh, in verse 19, it says, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all, of all men the most pitiable. Instead of saying that we, were, we are not to be pitied, I'm going to state it in a positive way and say that we are to be envied. We are to be envied instead of 
preaching it is not empty, our, our preaching is not empty, I'm going to say that it is valuable and meaningful. If Christ is not raised, then living for him and doing what he says and following his will is lunacy. It's delusional. And we should be pitied if he was not raised from the dead. But according to verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, Indeed, he is. But since he has been raised and is alive and reigns today, we are children of the King and we are living to serve the God of glory. And again, I believe there's within every one of us a longing that our lives are well spent. Amen? We want to know that our lives are worth something. We want to know that our lives are uh, significant or that they are useful. We don't want to come to the end of our days and say that it was all in vain, that it was empty, that it was pointless. That's why Paul ends this chapter with verse 58. Let me turn over and read that for you. In verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved, this whole chapter is on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, listen, because of the resurrection, we know that what we do here at Hebron Baptist Church, we know what we do in our day-to-day -day living. We know that our lives are meaningful and that they're worth something and it makes a difference. And when I come and tell you Sunday after Sunday that Jesus can make a difference in your life, that he died to pay the penalty of your sin and that he came back to give us a hope and an understanding that there's more to living than just life. There's more to living than just breathing and walking and talking and one day they bury us in the ground. There's more to life than that, that there is a hope that we have in Christ. Jesus. And folks, listen to the last one is uh, uh, the last point, the last need. My mind, I don't have my notes in front of me. Oh, is that, uh, that the life, that we're the most pitiable. Folks, listen to me. With the joy of the resurrected Lord in your life, that goes far beyond anything that is pitiable. That is something that others will envy when we live the resurrected life that Jesus Christ came to offer. People are going to look at you and say, man, that's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of person that I want to be. When they see the love of God reflected in and through us, when they see the grace and the mercy that we offer to those that we come in contact with, they'll look at me, they'll look at us and they'll say, Man, that's the kind of life 
that I want to live. I want a life that's worth something. I want a life that means something. I want a life that is going to produce something, that is going to have an impact on the world. And that's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ promises for each and every one of us. Amen? Oh, I pray this morning that you will allow God to show you these different needs that we have deep down in our heart. Sometimes we don't even know it. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we don't feel it. But it's there. Those needs are there. And that Jesus is the answer to every one of them. And Paul said, if he didn't rise from the dead, all of that is nothingness. Amen. He did. Praise God. And one day, Donna, we shall behold him because he's going to come back and receive us unto himself that where he is, we might be also. And I think that is worth a great amen. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the wonderful blessings that you give us. We thank you for the fact that Jesus is alive. Oh God, help us. Help us to be bold in standing up and saying we worship a living Savior and He's in the world today. Oh, thank you God for being a good God and a gracious God. I ask your blessing on every single person in this building this morning. I pray God that your Holy Spirit might speak to hearts, that you would open eyes and you would help us to see these needs that can only be met by you. Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name.